It's the Morning Blitz. Hey guys, you ready to let the dogs out? Weekday mornings from 7 to 8 Mountain, 8 to 9 Central on 1025U Rock and the Rocking M app. in the Mountain Time Zone. We're 8.33 in the Central Time Zone. Glad you're with us here on this Wednesday morning edition of the Morning Blitz. Glad to have on the show our good friend Dan Lucero joining us now on the program. Dan, good morning. How are you doing, buddy? Good morning to you. I'm doing well. Uh, I want I, I want to start because I know that you've spent some time in you know of course living up in Den- living in Denver growing up in Denver but I know you worked a little bit for the Colorado uh, Buffs Network and stuff. How about this whole story about Colorado Buffalo football and the start that they're off to? How has that been to follow and to watch for someone who you know kind of follows that program a little bit closer than maybe some others do? You know it is uh, it is fascinating. I'll preface by saying I've never been a real big fan of Deion Sanders, not as a player when I was growing up watching him play. And I, I can't say that I'm a fan of his act, I guess, for, for a lack of a better way to, um, I think it's very self-aggrandizing. I think Dion is in all of this for one person. And that is Deion Sanders and whoever might benefit from what Dion can do is kind of secondary. This is all about Coach Prime and the Coach Prime brand and Coach Prime Enterprises, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I firmly believe that. But I can also hold two thoughts in my head at once. And the other thought that I need to hold in my head now after watching Colorado beat TCU on Saturday is that maybe Dion's really good at this. Like, maybe he's going to be a really, really good, maybe even a great college football coach. Number one, he can get dudes. That's the biggest thing, right? You don't win if you don't have dudes. They've got three capital D dudes on offense. His kid, Shader Sanders, he's a dude. Uh, Travis Hunter might be the dude of dudes. Dylan Edwards, Derby Kansas' own. He's only a freshman. He's already a dude. You have to have dudes if you want to win football games. And Dion went and got himself some dudes. That luggage was Louie after all. We, we should have listened. He told us they got dudes. He can get dudes. The other thing Dion might be really good at, figuring out what he's not good at and delegating it to people who are good at it. That offense was a show on Saturday. That's Sean Lewis's offense. He came from Kent State. He was the head coach. And he came to be an offensive coordinator under Dion at Colorado and run that offense and install an offense where it may not matter that they don't have a great offensive line, which they don't. But if the ball's getting out that quick to dudes who are that fast, it might not matter that that offensive line uh, may not be great shakes in the final analysis. Uh, so there's a real chance. I mean, certainly we have to forget about what our expectations were for this Colorado team if they were in any way based on last year's team, those teams have nothing in common. Last year's Colorado team, the only thing they have in common with this year's is a, is a zip code, is an, is an address, is laundry. Uh, this is a brand new team. This is like dropping a creative team from NCAA football into your, into your dynasty mode. And their ceiling is higher than I think anybody thought. Their Vegas win total was three and a half. They're going to beat that. They're going to zoom past it. Now, I don't think they're going to win the Pac-12 or, you know, be in the top 25 all year, but 
they are going to have the best quarterback on the field in a lot of games. And if Travis Hunter is able to stay healthy, which is no sure thing if they're going to think they're going to play him 130 snaps a week. Uh, but as long as he's on the field, CU might have the best player on the field in every game but the USC game when they have to play against Caleb Williams. That's a big advantage. And that is certainly something that's going to help Colorado win a lot more games uh, than we thought. I'm still not a Deion Sanders fan, but you got to tip your cap. He might be really, really good at this. Dan Lucero, our guest here. Can't we, though, just take like the first few weeks of the season, can't we all just say, hey, you know what? Great games, entertaining games, some upsets, some blowouts. We really don't know anything until we get to about weeks three, four, or five on really how teams are. I mean, we just don't know because we don't know all the teams, Because especially with transfer portal and with losses and additions and graduation. it's just That's the biggest thing to me anymore about college football. Yeah, that's a great win against TCU, Dan, but that's not the same TCU team that played for the national title last year. Not even close. They probably shouldn't have been ranked in the top 25. Uh, and yes, Colorado got the win. But it was by three points. We, we don't know how great any of these teams are until we get to about week three, four, or five. And I just feel like sometimes, and it's not just Colorado, it's any team, uh, we, we blow things out of proportion. Is Florida State that good? I don't know. Is, is uh, Duke really that good? I don't know. Maybe. But we don't know anything. One week is, is a small sample size. You're absolutely right. I, you know, I think back to that famous, uh, I want to say it was 2015, that Texas-Notre Dame game thrilling night game on ABC Texas I think won it in overtime and we all remember uh, I think it was Joe Tessitore on the call him saying Texas is back and we're still waiting for that to be true uh, all these years later uh, it was certainly not true uh, on that one night when what ended up being a mediocre Texas team beat what ended up being a pretty mediocre Notre Dame team so yes you know one game one win one week is not enough to fully jump to conclusions in the case of talking about Colorado, though, I mean, you had people out there saying, people, people who've been in the game saying this was the worst roster in Power 5 football. Like, Tom Luganville said that. That's on tape. Like, obviously, we, we can also say we need to adjust our expectations upward. That would be a fair thing to do, especially if we miss or if we underestimated, misevaluated how good Shader Sanders was going to be or how good Travis Hunter was going to be or how good Dylan Edwards was going to be. I think that's a fair thing to do. Just like it's fair to maybe adjust your expectations for TCU a little bit because it doesn't look like they can tackle or at least that they didn't practice tackling because they couldn't tackle anybody uh, in that game against Colorado. So yeah, one week, not enough to jump to conclusions, but it is enough in some cases to adjust expectations at least a little bit. Dan Lucero, our guest here on the Morning Blitz. Were there any other team? I mean, Colorado, I think, made the biggest impression of anybody in Week 1 in cultural blitz. Anything else that really stood out to you in Week 1? Well, you mentioned Florida State. Uh, they had the best win of anybody in the country. They mauled LSU. They made LSU look unprepared, which is not typically a thing that happens to Brian Kelly teams. Uh, I am no Brian Kelly fan for different reasons than I am no Deion Sanders fan. There are a lot of college coaches I don't like. It was mostly a good week. Uh, for college coaches, <laughs> I don't like losing. Like, can't stand Dabo Swinney. I love seeing him lose. I love seeing Brian Kelly lose. And for them to get humiliated on back-to-back nights, man, that was terrific. Uh, but uh, Florida State, uh, I mean, they got a veteran quarterback. They got wide receivers who look like just they look like basketball players. Uh, they, they, I think, have. I think Florida State is definitely a contender and, and could very well win the ACC. They, they had a better win than anybody else. 
Um, the the uh, other teams that really impressed me, and I tried to watch as much football as I could because, you know, red-blooded American, all that. Uh, Washington is going to be really fun to watch. They've got an incredible offense. They hung a 50 ball on Boise State, which, I mean, it's not a prime Boise State team, but it's still a pretty good Boise State team. And Michael Penix was just firing lasers all over the field like it was nothing. So they were really, really impressive. And not as impressed, maybe, with the Big 12. It was a rough weekend for the Big 12. We've already talked about TCU. Texas Tech loses in double overtime at Wyoming. They had no business losing that game. They were up 17-0. They, they had no business losing that game. Baylor gets dog-walked by Texas State. That was a weird result. Not very impressive there. Uh, Iowa State doesn't look like they're going to be very good. BYU had their hands full with Sam Houston State. It, it was not by and large a great week for the Big 12, I have to say. No, you're exactly right. That was that was some nuts. Uh, back to that Florida State point. I mean, to me, and once again, it's just one game sample size. You can't draw too much from. But I'll tell you what, they look like a national title contending team. Florida State did. They were everywhere over LSU. That was that was a surpriser to me. That's for sure. Uh, before we before we, I want to transition into the NFL because the season does kick off here on Thursday with the Chiefs, and of course, there's news surrounding Travis Kelsey that he might not be able to go because this hyperextended knee. In your opinion, how much does that change if Kelsey cannot go for a week or two? Does that change the Chiefs' season, if at all? So the last time that Travis Kelsey missed a game, he hasn't missed a game through injury in a decade. He hasn't missed a game through injury since 2013. Last time he missed a game that mattered was in 2021. He came down with COVID-19. He was placed on the COVID list. And he didn't play week 16 against the Steelers. That was a good Steelers team. That was a team that made the playoffs. That team with T.J. Watt, really good defense. Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, really good defense. And there was no Travis Kelsey. And all Patrick Mahomes did on that day was go 23 of 30 passing for 250-some yards and no picks, and the Chiefs won no problem. I think they won 36-10. to 10. And the leading receiver for the Chiefs that day was Byron Pringle. And with all due respect to Brian Pring- Byron Pringle, K-State great. He is not, obviously, Travis Kelsey. So I say that to say this. Obviously, Travis Kelsey's a great player, and you miss elements of what he brings to the offense, his ability to be on the same page with Mahomes when Mahomes has to improvise, his ability to move the chains. Yes, there are things that you miss, but the most important components of the Chiefs' offense are still Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And as long as those two things are still around, they can make it work for a week or two. Now, my thought is that Kelsey is going to play. Um, I, I said this yesterday when we didn't know the severity or the type of injury, because a hyperextended knee can be a lot of things. Uh, it can be a torn ACL. It can also just be a bone bruise. It sounds like what Travis Kelsey has is a bone bruise and not any ligament damage. So if there's no ligament damage and there's no danger of exacerbating the ligament damage, what you're talking about essentially is pain tolerance. And Travis Kelsey's a tough dude. I think he's going to go. He may be limited. But I think we're going to see him tomorrow night. I mean, let's just say, for example, this is a this is a horrible example. Let's just say he plays; it gets a little bit more dinged up. He can't play for How much does that impact the, the Chiefs' season? It would impact it uh, a pretty big. It would be a big deal not to have him for sure. I mean, just to give you an idea, you know, there are two prominent players. Uh, that are not going to play for the Chiefs on Thursday. One of them is defensive tackle Chris Jones, who is still holding out, yet to report to the team. And when he did not report by Sunday, it was pretty obvious that he wasn't going to play 
week one. He wasn't practicing for the game week, so he wasn't going to play. And what that did in Las Vegas was it took the point spread for the game from the Chiefs being six-and-a-half-point favorites to the Chiefs being six-and-a-half-point favorites. So Jones's absence on a game-to-game basis did not materially impact what Vegas thought was going to happen in the game. The point spread has dropped two points in the last 24 hours. It's gone down from six and a half to four and a half with Travis Kelsey's status up in the air. And so that tells you a little bit about how much Kelsey's impact could be felt on a game to game basis. And then certainly long-term it would reorient the offense. But again, Patrick Mahomes is still there. Andy Reid is still there. They'd figure out some workarounds. One more before I let you go, focusing on the Chiefs and the Broncos for you. The Chiefs, of course, are looks to be on this goal of trying to repeat as Super Bowl champs. Better chance of them repeating as Super Bowl champs or the Denver Broncos looking more like a franchise that actually does have a decent quarterback and a good head coach this year? I think that it is hard to repeat, and uh, that is uh, the caveat I will start with. It is very hard in this league to repeat. There's a reason that in the last 25 years, only Tom Brady's Patriots teams have managed the feat of winning back-to-back Super Bowls. Uh, That being said, I have some concerns about the Broncos. I have some concerns about Russell Wilson's ability level. I have some concerns about the offensive line in front of him. I don't think it's very good. I don't think the receiver room is very good. I do wonder if Sean Payton was maybe just a guy who benefited from being with Drew Brees through a Hall of Fame career and uh, may not be able to have the same results because this is the weird thing about Russell Wilson. There are a lot of weird things about Russell Wilson. I shouldn't have said this is the weird thing. There's like a million weird things about the guy. He's a weird guy. But one of the weird things about Russell Wilson is he's always said he he patterns his game after Drew Brees. If you watch Drew Brees play and you watch Russell Wilson play, you would never know that to be true. They're completely different players. Drew Brees was a pocket passer and a great one. He wasn't an improvisational, off-schedule guy. He got back in the pocket. He made accurate throws all over the field. That has never been Russell Wilson's deal. Russell Wilson's thing has always been the improvisation. So how do you balance the Drew Brees stuff that Sean Payton knows and that Russell Wilson apparently wants to do but tried to do last year and was terrible at and the Russell Wilson stuff, which maybe at 35, the legs are starting to go and he doesn't do as much of that stuff as he used to. I don't know how it's going to work out. I am bearish. I do not think it's a playoff team in Denver. I don't think it's a playoff roster. I don't think Wilson – let me rephrase. I think Wilson's got something in the tank, but if they're going to try and make him play out of the pocket again, it's not going to go well. So uh, I, I, I just, I'm just i fascinated to see kind of how that unfolds. I just don't think it's a good enough roster that even if Wilson bounces back, that it's a playoff team. Dan Lucero, our good friend. Dan, thank you so much for the time this morning. Enjoy the great rest of the week. Hey, it's my pleasure. Enjoy week one of football, week two of college football, everybody. Once again, great stuff from Dan Lucero. Once again, on the radio at WWW Sports Talk. They're in Topeka now. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we will get to the College Football Power 5. Top five games got my eye on this coming weekend. 